First Kings chapter 19, verse 19. Is everybody there? Very familiar portion of scripture. Praise the Lord. And I, I believe that tonight, uh, I believe tonight is really relevant. Amen. The book, the Bible there in First Kings says this. So Elijah went from there and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. And he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. And Elijah went up to him and he threw his cloak around him. And Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. And let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said. And then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah said. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and he gave it to the people. They ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Some translations say, and he ministered to him. Amen. You go ahead and have your seat here tonight. Praise the Lord. And tonight, if you want to put a title on my sermon, I guess I would call it, Where Are the Elijahs? Where Are the Elishas? Amen. I know pastor knows where one of them is. Amen. Praise the Lord. But where are the Elijahs? Now, tonight I want to share to you about something I believe that is not just important, amen, because I know when we come behind the pulpit, of course, we're going to talk to you and we're going to share with you something that we believe is very, very important or that I believe is very important or pastor believes is very, very important. But I believe that it's also necessary, amen, because things can be important, but there are also some things that are necessary. Look at your neighbor and say necessary. Necessary in order for you and I to do great things for God. How many here want to do great things for God? I I don't believe nobody comes to church saying, you know what, I don't want to do anything for God. I don't want to do nothing for God. I just want to come to church. I know that there's nobody in this church, amen, that comes to church like that. I believe we all want to come. We want to do something great for God, amen. We don't want to just do a little thing for God, but we want to do something great for God. Can somebody say amen? And not only do I think that God is doing something new here, but I also believe that God is doing something in Northern California. Can somebody say amen? And I don't know if you guys were there on uh, Sunday night. We had our multi-regional there in San Jose. And if you weren't there, oh, my God, or like nowadays, OMG, right? It was I don't know how it was, it was off the chains. It was, I really felt like we had a NorCal conference. I mean, all of Northern California was there. All three regions were there. It was just a power. I mean, there was people inside. There were people outside. I even think they had chairs like in the entrance to the church. It was, it was crazy. But I believe that God is doing something here in Northern California. Can say, somebody say amen? But for us to really be a part of this move of God, because how many know that what's going to happen in Northern California is not going to be a move of victory outreach? Are you guys with me? It's not going to be a move of our ministry, but it's going to be a move of God through our ministry. Are you guys still with me? Huh? I believe that for us to be a part of this move of God, how many you guys want to be a part of the move of God? In order for us to be a part of this move of God, we need to understand a few things first. Can somebody say amen? See, this new generation of believers, how many know there's a new generation of believers coming into the church? I mean, there's a lot, even if I look around the church here today, I want to say hi to Brother Larry Lopez. Come on, Commander Larry, is he still here? Praise the Lord, there he is. Very powerful man of God, very instrumental in my life. Amen. But I believe there's a, a whole new generation of people that are coming into the church. And again, as I look around, I see different generations of people that have come into our church. People that have been here for a long time, right? A lot of times we hear about the pioneers, right? The pioneers of our generation within our church, the ones that trailblazed, that we're even able to be here today because of them. Can somebody say amen? But I believe that there's a new generation of people, of believers that are coming into the church. And I believe that as those new believers be able to come in, they have to be able to understand the generation that came before them. They have to be able to understand what those people did to get where they are today. And actually, they have to understand them so they can understand where we are today. Because it was because of them that we're able to be where we are today. Can somebody say amen? 
Because, see, we have to look back at the pioneering generation and learn from the things that made them successful for God. Amen? We need to, yes, we, we need to learn how to adapt. Because I know a lot of people say, well, you know, I understand it's, it's a new generation. It's a new culture. We're supposed to, you know, we got to change our ways. we got to learn and we got to adapt to the, to the new things. Can somebody say amen? Right? I know we have to do that, but there are some things that we cannot compromise. Hear me now. Yes, we got to change. We have to, you know, we can't do everything that we used to do the same way that we used to do it. I understand that. Pastor understands that. Pastor Sonny understands that. But I'm here to let you know that there's certain things we cannot compromise. There's certain things that the pioneer generation did and understood that we have to understand as well. And that we cannot compromise these things. We cannot compromise. Because if we do, we'll never be able to see the move of God within our ministry. Huh? How many of you guys still want to see great things? Huh? You guys still want to see great things in your life with God? All right. Well, see, I believe that we need to understand our call the same way that Elijah understood his. The same way that the pioneers understood their call. Because when I look back and I think about all the people that went before us, I truly believe that they understood the call of God upon their life. It wasn't something that was casual for them. Huh? You see, Elijah, he understood what had to be done to see great things from God through his life. And one of the first things that Elijah understood was this was that there was no going back. Look at your neighbor and say, no going back. You see, when Elijah was moved to follow Elijah, the Bible says that he killed the oxen and he used the wood from his plow. He burned it and he used it to cook the meat. Amen? See, he didn't want anything that could potentially be a temptation for him to want to turn back. Huh? He didn't want to have a plan B, if you will. Come on now. He didn't want to have a plan B. See, and if you and I want to do great things for God within our ministry, we also have to know that there can be no going back. Look at your neighbor and say, no going back. Look at your other neighbor and say, no plan Bs. We can't have a plan B in God. Can somebody say amen? You see, when God calls us, calls us, he doesn't want us to look back to the life that he brought us out from. Hello, right? God doesn't want us to look back at our old life. He pulled us out of that for a reason and for a purpose. Do you remember Lot's wife? You all know that story, right? That God was going to uh, rain down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. So he told him, hey, you guys got to get out of town. Take your wife. Take, you know, take everybody. Take your, your brother, your brother and sister. Take, your, you know, take everybody. Amen. But you guys got to get out of town because this is what's going to happen. Well, okay. Say so they listened and they were on their way out of town. But what happened? Lot's wife started to remember about the things that she was leaving behind. Huh? She was thinking about all that stuff that she was giving up. Right? And what happened? She turned around and looked back. Huh? You see, God was leading her to safety into a better life. That's what was happening right there. God wasn't taking anything from her. God was leading her out. God was taking her to a better life, to safety. But she couldn't help but think about the things that she was leaving behind. Huh? In the book of Luke in chapter 9, verse 62, it says this. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Hmm? That's Jesus speaking. It's not me. See, and our pioneers, the people that went before us, they understood that. They understood there was no going back. Huh? When you talk about, you talk to some of them, some of the pioneers, because a lot of them are still around. Huh? Pastor Sonny, hello, he was the pioneer. Amen. But you talk to them, they're still around. I talked to, to Mondo Sr. You talk to them, you talk about the, the old days when they were first getting saved, and you talk about the things that they did. That's one of the things that they'll share with you. They understood that there was no going back, that there was nothing for them to go back to, because they understood what God was taking them out of. How many of you know that we had some good times in our past? I'm not here to say, because I'll be the first one to say, I, I used to have a lot of fun in my past. There were some good times, but there was also some bad times, right? Oh, come on, I know who I'm talking to tonight, right? Right? 
Praise the Lord. Yeah, we had some good times, but it was because of the rest of our lives that drew us to the church. Or should I say drew us to Jesus? And we have to remember that. But sometimes something happens, right? We come in, we get saved, we get a little cleaned up, get a little joy in our life, right? And we start to forget about that stuff, about how much pain it brought us. And then when, then when things begin to get tough, what's the first thing we do? Hmm? I'm here to let you know that Pastor Sonny didn't look back, right? He's still around. Pastor Ed didn't look back. Hello? Pastor Stephen Josie didn't look back. If it wasn't for them, if they would have looked back, think about where you would be today. I could think about where I would be today. If any one of these men and women would have looked back and said, you know what? I'm just going to go back because what I had back there was better. They knew that this God thing was all or nothing. Huh? Look at your neighbor and say, it's all or nothing. See, we can't have that spirit of Israel within us that thinks that maybe the life that we had in Egypt before was better. Huh? Do you remember that story too, right? When, the Egypt, when they came out and they were go, all of a sudden they were out there in the wilderness, they're going through all kinds of trials. Because how many know we're still going go to go through some stuff? Right? Just, you know, I don't know if anybody ever told you this, but, you know, serving God is not a bowl of cherries. It's not tiptoeing through the tulips. Hello. Right? Things are going to happen. Praise the Lord. Things are going to get tough. Somebody say amen. You're going to get burnt out sometimes. Somebody say amen. You're going to get rebuked sometimes. All the leaders say amen. Yeah, things are not always going to go the way that you want them to go. Huh? They're not going to happen. Everything's not going to happen the way that you want it to happen. And if you have that expectation, I'm here to let you know, man, you're going to be living a miserable life. Amen? But even all that being said, there's no going back. Even when things get tough, there's no going back. Huh? Elijah made sure that there was nothing to go back to. Have you made sure that there's nothing to go back to? Hmm? Think about it for a second. Elijah made sure. He made sure. The Scripture says that he went back. Right? Cut them up, cooked them up, and gave them away. He made tacos, amen? Praise the Lord. That was the first Taco Tuesday. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But he made sure. Have you made sure that there's nothing to go back to? Huh? What have you done? What have you gone back and slaughtered? What have you burnt up to make sure? Huh? Have you burned that bridge? Huh? Or you still got that bridge right there? Just in case. Huh? Just in case. Because I know it's, it's funny because a lot of people come in the, into the church, you know, not our church, hello, right? But they'll come into the church and they love God. I, I would never question anybody's love for God. People come to church, they love God. They love the presence of God. But when things get tough, what happens? It's the first place they go. They go right back. Things get tough. Somebody says something they don't like, they go right back because they have that bridge there. Huh? They got that plan B. They have the attitude when they come in, well, you know what, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go check this thing out. I'm going to see how this God thing works out. You know what I mean? As long as everybody talks to me the right way, as long as nobody looks at me sideways, or as long as they don't tell me nothing I don't like, well, then I'll be okay. But as soon as they say something like that, I'm already, they already got it set up. They already got plan B. It's already set up right there. They already got that bridge. It's right there. All they got to do is exit stage left, and they're over the bridge. Huh? And then when things get tough over there, what do they do? Come back over the bridge. Praise the Lord. It's not that they don't love God, and that's not it. Please understand that. It's not that they don't love God, but it's they don't understand that they got to burn those things, that there's no going back. If you want to see God do great things, you can't go back. No man that ever went back has ever seen God do something great within his life. I know. You want to know how many times I went back? You can ask Brother Larry Lopez. He was there a few of those times. I went back. Many times I went back because it got tough. It's going to get tough. 
But Elijah understood that. Our pioneers understood that there was no going back. And Elijah understood that. Another thing that Elijah understood in order to see great things in his life was he had to have, or there was a need for a spiritual hunger. Huh? He knew that if he was going to do great things for God, that he couldn't be an average Christian. Hello, is there any average Christians here tonight? Come on. He knew that if he was going to do great things, he couldn't just be like everybody else. Huh? He couldn't just be like all the other Christians. How many know that this ministry is not like other ministries? Oh, come on now. You guys are not here tonight. He would have to seek out more in his relationship with God. When was the last time you sought out more in your relationship with God? See, Victory Outreach is a cutting-edge ministry. We always have been, and we always will be. This ministry will always be a cutting-edge ministry. Amen? And in order to be a, in a cutting-edge ministry, you've got to be a cutting-edge Christian. You have to be. Uh, average Christians can't, they just can't make it in Victory Average. I, I'm not saying because we're so good, but I'm just saying that's just the nature of our ministry. You know, there's plenty of ministries out there where people can be Christians. Plenty of them. There's millions of them. But in this ministry, you've got to be cutting edge. You've got to be cutting edge. You've got to get close. You've got to always want more in your relationship with God. That's how you be cutting edge. I don't think that was, you be cutting edge. That's how you're going to be cutting edge. Amen. We do things that no other ministry does. Come on now, can somebody say amen? We do things that no other ministry does. And we're going to do things that no, man, no other ministry will ever do. Ever. Not because we're better, but because we understand the call. We understand what God has called us to do. And that's what helps us stay on that cutting edge. And that's what Elijah did too. He knew what it was going to take for him to stay on that cutting edge. Because he understood, because he was right there with Elijah. And he saw Elijah and he says, oh man. He saw what he, was, what he had to do. He said, okay, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to do greater things. Man, how much, how much more am I going to have to get in touch with God? Amen? And if you and I are going to do great things for God in this ministry, we can't be average because this isn't an average ministry. Huh? Elijah knew this, and that's why he gave Elijah this answer in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elijah, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? And this is what he said. He said, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Huh? He didn't say, I want to do what you do. He said, no, I want a double portion of your spirit. Huh? When was the last time you asked God for a double portion? Huh? When was the last time you asked God for a double portion? See, he wanted to do something great in the kingdom, and he recognized the anointing on Elijah, but he wanted something greater. Huh? He wanted something greater. He wanted something greater. Do you guys want something greater? Oh, come on. Do you guys want something greater? Or are you guys going to settle for what you got? Come on now. John chapter 14, verse 12 says this. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. See, Elijah was living that out. And this was back in the Old Testament. He was living out New Testament stuff already. He would say, no, I, I want to do greater things. I don't want to just be an average Christian. I hope nobody in this room wants to be an average Christian. I've been an average Christian. I've been a below average Christian, and I've been an average Christian, and I'm trying to be a, you know, a more cutting-edge Christian. I'm not perfect. None of us are, amen, but I keep trying. I keep trying, and that's what Elijah kept trying. See, we, he wanted more of God so he could do more for God. The only way that you're going to do more for God is if you get more of God, huh? Because remember, it's not you. It's God. It's God in you that you're able to do the things that you're going to be able to do. Huh? It's the power in you coming from him that allows us to do the things for him. Because huh? there's a lot of people that say, I'm doing this for God, but are they doing it with God? Huh? 
Are they doing it under his power? Are they doing it under his anointing? Or are they doing it in the flesh? Huh? Elijah understood, hey, I can't do this in the flesh. There's no way possible. I got to get more of God if I want God to do more within me. Huh? What do you want more of? Huh? What do you want more of in your life? What do you need God more of God in, for you in your life? I don't know everybody here personally. I don't know everybody's struggle. I don't know where everybody's at. But I know right now within, within my life, I'm going through some stuff. I mean, I go, I've got, I mean, I go through stuff all the time. But, you know, I always, I remember coming up in the ministry, I remember hearing people always say, you know, especially as Pastor Steve said, if you want to hang out, you know, with pastors, you're going to have to hang out with the spirits that hang out with them. Huh? And I used to always think, oh, yeah, it's funny. Right? But now it's like, whoa. You know, I see this ones that hang out with my pastor. You know, I can only imagine the stuff I hung out with his dad. You know, and I, he's getting, you know, and it's like, man. So it's like, if, I, if I'm around that stuff, this stuff, some of that stuff's going to jump on me. Not that, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but the thing is, you know, things are going to happen. We're going to go through it, right? We're going to go through some things, but you got to want more of God regardless. Well, I'm going through something, so I, you know, I'm not going to ask for more of God. You know, I'm just going to settle for what I got right now. It's like, no, if you're going through, you say, no, I need more of God. Huh? It's because it's only going to take more of God that's going to get me through this. Because like I said, I'm going through some stuff. I mean, I'm going through some stuff. I wish I could share with you what I'm going through. Half of you guys are probably, you know, I mean, might not even be as bad as some of the stuff you guys are going through. You might be like, whatever. But for me, it's a lot. It's a lot. Because it's not just me. Amen? How many of you know when, it, when it's you, your wife, your, your whole family, but, you know, when you're the spiritual head of the house, man, it's like you, 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 you kind of feel sometimes the brunt of it all, you know? But that means I got to say, you know, God, I need more of you. I need more of you. I can't do this with me. Because me will mess it up. Me's going to blow it. Hello. But see, we can't be afraid to ask God for more. Sometimes we, we're afraid to ask God for more because we're afraid what's going to happen when God gives us more. I don't know, does that sound, I mean, it's kind of like an oxymoron to me. It's like, God's going to give you more, but why would you be afraid of getting more from God? But it's just, it's just a fear sometimes that I have. It's like, man, you know, and I struggled with it for a long time, but now I'm not afraid. I say, you know what, God, I need more of you. Because sometimes we think, well, if I ask for more, he's going to expect more. Right? And I think that's where the fear comes from. Well, if I ask for more, he's going to give me more. You know, he's going to expect more. Right? And I'll be honest. Yeah, it's true. If God's going to give you more, yeah, he's going to ex- expect more, but he's going to expect more faith. Right? He's gonna, but he's going to give you more power so you can have more faith. Amen? He's going to give you all this stuff, but not just so that you can perform more for him, but it's what? So you can do more for him. And Elijah understood that. See, we need to just have pure motive like Elisha had. And we don't have to be, because when we have pure motive, we don't have to be afraid to ask God for more. Huh? Sometimes we don't, we don't want to ask God for more because sometimes the reasons why we ask for it is it's selfish. Well, I want more so that I can sound cool. I want more so that I can look good. And I want more so that people will look up to me. And I want more because of this. And I want more instead of, I want more because I need more. Like Elijah, he just, he said, no, I want to do great things for God. I don't want to do great things for me. I want to do great things for God. He had that pure motive, and that's the way we, we have to have that kind of a pure hunger for God. Can somebody say amen? And that's God's desire for you and I, to do great things for his kingdom. Amen? See, Elijah knew that if he walked close to the man of God, that he would experience Elijah's anointing and that it would have an influence on his life. Huh? Does that make sense? That because he was walking with him and he recognized the anointing on his life, he reasoned it like this. Well, as long as I'm next to him and I'm with him, wherever he goes, that that anointing is going to have an influence on my life. Huh? Does this sound familiar? Huh? 
that his anointing is going to have an influence on my life. That's why I love hanging out with my pastor. I don't get to do it all the time, and I hate it. But when I do, I get to hang out with him, and I'm able to see the anointing. And I say, you know what? That's going to have an influence on my life. Huh? It's going to have an influence on your life. You want to do great things for God? Get around somebody that's got the anointing. Get around somebody that's got the power of God in their lives. And it's going to have an influence on your life. Huh? You want to do great things? Get under a man or a woman of God that's doing great things. Huh? You want to be a giant? Got to hang out with the giants. Huh? You can't hang out with the little guys and think you're going to be a giant. You want to be a giant? Hang out with the giant. Huh? It's all about discipleship. Huh? You got to get underneath somebody. And I don't mean underneath somebody. No, you got to get underneath somebody. Come on. Huh? You got to get under their wing, so to speak. Like I say, right? Oh, I'm going to put, you know, oh, yeah, I'm under that guy's wing. Get under their wing. Say, hey, I, you know, I recognize the anointing in that guy's life. I recognize the anointing in that woman's life. And I want the anointing because I want to do great things. So I don't want to be like them. I want to be me, but I want to do great things for God. And they have the anointing, and I want it to influence my life. And you come underneath them. You submit to their authority. Amen? Because there's plenty of powerful women and men of God in this church. Great men of God in this church. Powerful men of God in this church that are anointed. Women of God that are anointed. You know, and you say, you know, I want to do great things. Well, I'm telling you, it's all here. You don't have to go anywhere else. Like Pastor Steve would say, it's all in the house. It's all right here, man. It's all right here. And the third and the last thing that Elijah understood, not only did he understand there was no going back or that he also needed a, a hunger for God, he had to have a pure hunger for God, he also understood this, and I believe this is probably one of the most important things I think that he understood, was that he needed to be covered with authority. He needed to be covered with authority. In 2 Kings chapter 2, 11 and 13, it says this. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses and fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. And then Elijah then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. You see, Elijah understood that the mantle of Elijah's was, it, it was more than just a coat, if you will. It was more than just his cloak, if you will. He understood that, uh, uh, that this mantle stood for everything that Elijah was and stood for. It wasn't just a piece of clothing. He remembered the way that it felt when Elijah let it fall on his shoulders when he called him into ministry. Remember, it was God that called Elisha in the ministry. Even though the calling came through Elijah, it was God that called him. And if you remember the story, when God told him, I want you to go and I want you to anoint Elisha to be your successor, to be the prophet of Israel after you. And when he went and he did that, the Bible says that he put his cloak, he let his cloak fall upon Elijah. And as soon as that cloak hit him, he already knew, God called me. Because he understood the covering of authority that was on that cloak. Because a lot of times we think that authority comes from within, right? We think, well, I got to bring up the authority, I got to sound authority. It's not something that's inside. God's authority is not from in here. God's authority is a covering. It covers us because it comes from him. It doesn't come from inside of us. Not God's authority. Sometimes we try to make up our own authority, right? You know, I'm the boss, and I'm the, you got to do what I say. And no, that's, that's manly authority. I'm talking godly authority. It's a covering. And Elijah understood that. 
He understood the need to be covered with it. You see, most people think, again, they think that that authority comes from inside, but it comes from God. And four things that Elijah did that covered him with the authority were this. The first one was that he submitted himself. He submitted himself. If you wanted, you wanted that covering of authority, you have to submit yourself to authority. Huh? You have to be able to submit yourself to authority. You can't think that you're going to have authority if you can't submit to authority. Huh? He was so submitted and so committed to Elijah that he was content to stay in the background and out of the limelight to be able to learn from Elijah's ministry. Huh? Because he was submitted to his authority. He came under him. That's what that is. Being able to say, you know what? He's the man of God. Um, I was, he understood his calling. His calling was to minister to Elijah. His, it was, or in other words, he was to be his servant. But he was there watching. He was there learning the whole time, watching the man of God move, watching the, the, the miracles that he was doing, watching all the things that were coming against him and seeing how he handled him. Huh? And he saw that anointing on him, but he understood that he had to be able to submit himself to him if he was ever going to have that same covering of authority that Elijah had. Second, he followed spiritual patterns. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 14, it says this, He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now was the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. You see, he hit the water just like he saw Elijah do. The same way he saw Elijah do it, he did it. He wasn't looking for a different anointing. He wanted what he had learned from watching and listening to Elijah. Huh? He followed his spiritual patterns. That's what we, we have to try to do. When we see the people that went before us, we see what did they do that made them successful for God? What did they do to do great things for God? Well, that's what I'm going to do. If it worked for them, then it's going to work for me. Huh? It's the same anointing. We have the same call in this ministry. Can somebody say amen? We're called to do great things for God. Huh? If they can do it, we can do it. If that's what he did and it worked, then that's what I'm going to do because it works. Huh? That's like even with our men's rehabilitation homes. It works. Hello, I'm a product of the home. I came out of the home. How many here are products of the home? Spiritual patterns. It works. Why would we change it? Why would, I, why would we do something else? No, if it worked for me, it could work for you. Huh? If it worked for Pastor Daryl, it could work for you. Huh? If it worked for anybody else in here that went through the home, it'll work for you guys too. You've got to follow the spiritual patterns of the people that went before us. Huh? Three, he followed his spiritual heritage. He followed his spiritual heritage. AJ, you can go ahead and come up. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 15 says this, The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. You see, when Elijah was anointed to do work for the kingdom, he didn't have to go and tell everybody about his great calling. He didn't have to run around the neighborhood and say, Hey, guess what? God called me. Hey, guess what? Guess what? God did for me. Look at the anointing on me. He didn't have to do that. He just had to walk the walk, and he had to talk the talk. See, his calling was apparent, and it was obvious to everybody around him. It was obvious he now wore the mantle of Elijah. He didn't have to run around. He didn't have to puff up his chest. He didn't have to show everybody the, you know, the cloak or the mantle of Elijah because they saw, they understood the covering of authority that had come upon his life. It wasn't something that he said it was who he was because he understood it because he walked in it because he submitted himself uh, he followed those spiritual patterns of the people that went before him huh? the one who gave him his mantle he understood him he followed him people understood it it was all over him 
Just like even when I see our pastor, I see his dad's anointing. I see it. I feel it. It's obvious. He doesn't have to say it. He doesn't have to tell anybody. That's what I want. I want that kind of spiritual authority. I want that covering upon my life. That when I go somewhere, I don't have to tell anybody, you know, oh, that I, I, I'm a, I have authority, you have to listen to me. I, you can just walk into a place and just begin to talk and begin to share with people. And the Spirit of God will begin to move. And the authority will just come. Huh? You can come into any situation. How many know that we're going to have some situations in our lives? Right? We're going to go through some things where chaos is happening. Probably in our, it's probably going to be in our families, for one. I don't know about you, but, you know, chaos happens in my family. Right? But when that spirit, you have that covering of spiritual authority, you're able to walk in the room and things begin to kind of calm down. Not because of you, but because of the covering of that spiritual authority that's in your life. And see, when God calls you and I to ministry, we won't have to convince anybody. We won't have to convince people of our ministry. They will see us doing and living it, covered with God's authority. And just like Elijah when he begin to apply these things, when we begin to apply these things as well to our lives, we also be ready to do great and awesome things for God. Because I believe God is, we're, we're on the cusp, they say. It's another way of saying, we're on, the, we're on the edge right now of something great happening here in Northern California. Right there, it's right there. I mean, every time we go to San Jose, we begin to hear our, you know, uh, uh, I can want to call him Papa Sonny, amen. So we hear our, our founders talk. You can just, you can, you can just sense it. The spirit begins to just speak to you, and you can like sense it, like something's about to happen. You know, I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of it. But see, I believe that right now we need the generation of Elishas. Uh, we need men and women that say, you know what, I don't want to go back anymore. Because I know there's a lot of people, even maybe even here tonight, maybe you've come in and you've gone back. You've come in and you've gone back. You've come in and you've gone back. That was me. I was one of those people. I, and I even went through the home. I still went out and came back. Went back across that bridge and came back. Across that bridge and came back. But you don't have to. You don't have to. You can learn from our mistakes. Hello. Right? That's what my dad used to always tell me. Learn from my mistakes. Because you learn from my mistakes. Because I make a lot of them. Amen. But you can learn. You don't have to go back. Today could be that day. So you know what? Today's the day that I'm going to burn that last bridge. I'm going to burn that last bridge because I don't want anything to be there, anything to tempt me to go back. Just like Elijah, he understood that if I don't burn this, man, if I don't kill these, if I don't kill her off right now, I'm always going to have something to go back to. And I don't know about you, but I don't got nothing to go back to. And I'm not saying you got to cut your family off and say, you know what? I don't want to talk to you no more. I don't want to deal with you no more. I'm talking about anything that's going to take you back to the old life. Because family's family, Amen but you still don't got to go back. Hello? Right? You don't have to go back. And maybe tonight you say, you know what? I'm hungry. I need more of God. You know, I've been trying to do so many different things on my own strength. I've been trying to serve God on my own strength. I've been trying to do, I've been wanting to do great things for God, but just it's just not happening. Maybe it's because you, you don't have a hunger. Or maybe you've been hungering for other things. Sometimes we think, well, you know what? If I just get the right house, the right car, the right job, and we hunger after those things, then I'll be able to do great things for God. I'm here to let you know, none of that stuff is going to help you do great things for God. None of it. Only thing it's going to do is going to hinder you from doing great things for God. Because uh, I'm here to let you know that that stuff, it's like an anchor. That stuff will bind you up. That'll bind you up. If you want to do great things for God, you've got to have a freedom and a liberty within your life to be able to say, you know what? Nothing's going to hold me back. Nothing's going to hold me back. No house, 
Huh? No relationship. Hello. Right? Nothing. No car payment. None of that stuff. I'm not saying you can't do nothing for God if you have a car. That's not what I'm saying. Don't misunderstand me. What I'm saying is when we hunger after God, we hunger after more of God instead of those things, that's when we can do great things for God. You're here tonight. I don't know. Maybe this, hopefully, I pray that this ministered to somebody. I know it ministered to me because this was me. This is still me sometimes. I hope it ministered to somebody. Even if just one person got something out of this, then I feel great. But here tonight, what I want to do is I want to open the altars. So you say, you know what? I don't want to go back anymore. I've been thinking about going back, but I'm tired of going back. Or I don't want to go back. And tonight could be your night to burn that last bridge, to get rid of that last temptation that could take you back. You say, I want to do great things for God. I want to do powerful things for God. You might even be, you know, in in, in the gang. It doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter. You can do great things for God, 12 years old, 13 years old, 14 years old. You can still do great things for God. I'm going to open these altars up. I'm just going to ask you to come and just get a hold of God. And if you need to ask him for more tonight, then ask him for more. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus.